Welcome to our Transgender School podcast. We're here to talk about diverse transgender identities and experiences so that we can all be better allies and advocates. We'll also discuss current events, welcome guests, and share actions you can take to support trans people. I'm Bridget, and my daughter Jackie came out as a transgender woman about four years ago when she was 19 years old. I was totally unprepared, but I have learned a lot since then. And now Jackie and I are passionate about sharing what we've learned. When I came to terms with being trans, I realized that I absolutely needed to transition, but coming out was very stressful. Now that a few years have passed, things have gotten somewhat easier, and I want to help other trans people navigate their own unique experiences. Welcome back, everyone, to the Transgender School podcast. We hope that you listened to our last episode where we introduced you to our friend Alicia Arabayo, and we have her back again for a very, very important conversation. If you haven't listened to that last episode, you've got to listen to it. It is so powerful where Alicia shares her story very kindly, generously, and we learned so much from it. We're incredibly moved by it. And now Alicia is coming to our conversation as an expert in the field of education. She's about to retire from 36 years in education as a counselor, as a teacher, as a, an LGBTQ advocate for students and the GSA club. And so welcome back, Alicia. Thank you again for having another conversation with us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. And Jackie, welcome back to... And thank you for being back for another episode. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'm honored. So Alicia, we would love to have you start by telling us about what you are seeing in education in our schools. We get a lot of questions and concerns from parents, teachers, everybody involved in education, especially the education of young people, K through 12. What's happening there to support LGBTQIA plus kids and to educate everyone around how to support our kids? Well, I can start first with LAUSD, which, you know, in my mind has really gone leaps and bounds to not only adjust, address LGBTQIA plus concerns with students, with young students, but specifically the trans community. I think their bulletin 6224 is probably at the forefront of what a lot of school districts are looking to in terms of inclusivity, safety, And we can talk a little bit more what's in that bulletin and how schools are kind of looking at that bulletin and using that as a template for a lot of their own health measures regarding the LGBTQIA plus community. Alicia, let me jump in really quickly because we are blessed to have people from about 50 countries listening to our podcast, which is just amazes me and blows my mind and I'm so grateful for. So I just want to say when Alicia says LAUSD, she's talking about all of our local school district here in the U.S., here in California, in Los Angeles. So you're going to notice a stark contrast between probably what she's talking about, what may be happening in your country or what may be happening in your state if you're in a state really other than 
California or New York or some of the more progressive states. So I just wanted to ground that context in where we are. LAUSD is Los Angeles Unified School District. And yes, we'd love to hear more about that bulletin. Thank you. So, well, in terms of the bulletin itself, let's just go back a little bit because there are some general things that I think came before that that are really important that that if parents don't know, and maybe you've already discussed this on your podcast, but you know we have the Fair Education Act, which was enacted in, uh, I think started in 2011, enacted in 2012, and is really, again, in California, talks about having fair, ac- accurate, inclusive, and respectful dialogue and history discussions about LGBTQIA plus community. And so I think, and a lot of teachers, you know, I give workshops all the time. Some teachers are not even aware that this bill exists. So in terms of including things that they might be really, really interested in talking about in the curriculum, to be able to say, well, this is really part of the curriculum. This is, this is affirming it should be taught. In fact, it's a mandate. We must do this because we need to have situations where we can talk about the LGBTQIA plus community in positive terms. And of course, being an old person here in education, there was none of that. So the fact that we have those opportunities to listen and learn about others in our community in a positive mindset, that says a lot already, okay? So that Fair Education Act, uh, we have Ed Code 200 and 220, Educational Code 200 and 220, which has been amended a number of times, but This is educational code that says schools must protect students from different kinds of bias and discrimination, including harassment based on actual or perceived sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. So again, this is state of California putting these decrees down. All schools, all public schools, or all schools, period, that receive money from the state of California, even if you're a private school, must adhere to this ed code. Unfortunately, we're finding that a lot of the parochial schools, privatized, they don't address this. And it's not that they don't have LGBTQIA plus students. They're just not talking about it. So, and I think, I don't know if it was Williams Institute in UCLA, Williams Law at UCLA that had put out, I think in 2021, a study that talked about the differences and having schools that talk about LGBTQIA plus affirming a curriculum and schools that don't have any of that, and how difference in terms of students who are getting better grades, have a better attitude, 
just a general all around mindset of positivity with some of these kids. And it's all due to the fact that they're getting curriculum and affirming attention that go, that's going towards them. And that's really, really important. Can't say enough about that. So those two things are important. In Los Angeles Unified School District, we have a whole section that is geared towards office that is geared towards our LGBTQIA plus community. We have Project 10 that delivers news, brochures for schools that want to teach about LGBTQIA plus issues. And then we have the Educational Equity and Compliance Office that will actually come into the school, do professional developments for teachers. They'll come into the schools. They'll, they'll, I've had them a number of times come into my school. The first time I had them was about eight years ago as a counselor. I had an intersex student. And the student was identifying female, but she was really struggling with her, the fact that she was intersex, knew she was different. The kids knew she was different. And so they came in and did a whole series of lessons so that teachers and students could better deal with her and better affirm and be compassionate and empathic towards her. It really helped her. I've talked to her a couple of years ago. She's graduated from high school. And I think she was really grateful for all the attention that was going towards, towards her situation. So those kind of things, you can't say enough about the energy that's put out from this office. So Bulletin 6224, that is the bulletin that talks about gender equity and students ensuring equity and non-discrimination. And it has a number of parts that I think are really, really essential. And it's no wonder that a lot of school districts really want to use this as a template because, I mean, I think Colorado was maybe five or six years ago, was one of the in terms of states that were gender uh, LGBTQIA plus affirming, that has changed quite a bit. And they've used some of these, these bulletins as templates for their own, you know, movement towards helping those students. So the bulletin deals, it has a number of different sections. The first one is, first of all, it defines things like gender, gender identity, gender expression, transition. And you'd really be surprised at how many teachers, first of all, they're starving for this information because our kids are coming to teachers left and right and saying, hey, look, I know my name says Linda, but can you call me Johnny? And so they're like, okay, what do I do? They come to us and then we say, hey, look, this is, what's going on. Here's, here's the bulletin. Let me give you this so you can learn about it. A lot of teachers are in that place. So oftentimes we expect that 
because there's so much out there in social media that teachers are really getting this information and they're totally affirming. Some of them have no idea what's going on. So, and especially with things like neo pronouns, where, you know, call me Zer, and the teacher's like, okay, they run to me. Um, what do I do? You know, so it's really, really great. I'm curious, just, I know you're going to tell us more. I, I want to hear all of it because we didn't say this in case people didn't listen to the last episode. You are a transgender woman yourself. And yes, I'm curious if that, if that leads to people coming to you even more and knowing that you'll be someone who is probably very knowledgeable and will help them understand, or do you think they're just needing the information anywhere in, in any way? No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I, I think that's part of it. But I will say my counseling team, they are adorable, loving people. Mm. And I just, I mean, they are dear friends. I have dinner with them all the time and we talk about just, it's just great to be around them. But people trust the fact that they have their backs. It's especially those students who are LGBTQIA+. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you a story. It was, this was uh, about five years ago. I was already out. I wasn't out as trans then, but I was out. I was living gay lifestyle. A student came out as gay and the parent, the student was client of mine. I was dealing with the kid. The parent was like appalled at my work with him. And so she was like, no, I want her, the other counselor to work. And I was like, okay, it hurt me because I was kind of, I don't think she knew about my own personal story, but, you know, just to let you know that, that our, our little group they are absolutely wonderful. And if it's not me, it's somebody else. And I'm so proud of them and so grateful that we have counselors like that who are so affirming. So that's good to hear. No, it's very good to hear. And I wish that were the case at every school, you know. I, Unfortunately, it isn't. Yeah. I think you made such an important point earlier on about how there are state laws, at least here in California and probably some other bluer states, that apply to private schools that not all of those private schools comply with as someone who attended a Catholic high school and was told after a lot of those laws were passed, when I pushed the question of gay marriage, which this was around the time that we had the Prop 8 debate happening in California, I was told by one of my teachers, well, do you think a man should be allowed to marry a sheep? That was the, um, oh my God. The, yeah, that was that was the way it was framed to me in front of an entire class oh. um, full of high school students here in Southern California. Oh. And I think that a lot of people might not know that that is against the law, that that is discrimination. And a lot of people might not know that the California Department of Education is interested in knowing when private schools are not following the law and that Absolutely. you can give them a call at 916-319-8239. Again, that's 
That is the California Department of Education Equity Appeals Office. And I think that's important for people to know that we should be filing complaints against any and all private schools that are not complying with the law. Yeah. And I'm just curious, like what your take on how can we try to create some level of accountability for those schools? How can we try to uh, improve the experience that trans and queer kids at those schools are having? Well, first, I think that, I mean, at least from my perspective, there's power in numbers and there's power with parents. And so one of the things that is really apparent to me is a lot of these changes were made because parents galvanized together and said, look, we have, there's a number of our children that are dealing with this issue and the school's not addressing it. And if you have, they're contributing large amounts of money to these public schools, these schools are going to listen and they're going to make changes. So the first thing that I tell parents is there's, there's power in numbers, get your friends together, talk about it with others, galvanize together and use that energy to, to approach administration. Because even in LAUSD with as many wonderful things that we have going on in terms of resources, you know, we still have teachers or administrators who are just kind of not like sold on this thing. And like, I'm not, I'm not really listening. I'm kind of ignoring la 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 la. But as, as soon as parents start to raise their voice and work together, that really sends a message, especially if they're paying lots of money to have their child go there, you know, and nobody wants to have their child go to a, a school where the environment is not safe and affirming and feels like, you know, you get what I'm saying. So. Thank you. And one thing that I know I've, I've brought this up on other podcast episodes, but I, I would really appreciate your perspective on it and where we're headed and how we can be helpful is it, it, Hearing about it's so the dichotomy is so stark. Hearing about the things that are being done in districts like LAUSD to support trans kids and to create a safe, nurturing environment where people are able to live their lives how they identify, and then comparing that to what's being done in states like Florida and other red states across the country where you can't even talk about being gay in a classroom and you can't get any access to medical care if you're under 18. And I I just wonder, it seems like we're headed towards a situation in which there are really two versions of the country. There's one version of the country where you can be queer and you can have a happy, fulfilling, comfortable, supported life. And there's one version of the country where you can't, where you just you, there's there's no way around it. And then people will have to leave that part of the country to have fulfilling, happy, successful, comfortable lives. And I'm just, is there any way out of that? Or is that inevitable? How do we support people? How do we support all of the trans kids and all of the trans and queer people who are growing up in those parts of the country? And how do we fight the people who are pushing these terrible, terrible laws? Well, You know, I think there's an example in Colorado, which I was just bringing up, that was one of the worst states in the country for 
LGBTQIA plus affirming curriculum and support and how in terms of adolescence. And it was through legislative change. I think the, I don't, I'm not sure if it's the governor who's gay, but there were a lot of, there was a lot of movement. And when that movement happened, it changed, it shifted a lot of the things that were going on in terms of what we would call hate towards the LGBTQIA plus community. I feel, you know, growing up in the civil rights era where it was really difficult for just African-Americans to go to the same school, even in LA, our segregated busing and things like that. There has been a lot of change over the course of my lifetime with regard to that. I do think that there is an evolution coming and I don't know how long it will take. It's going to take some real, I mean, kids are dying. We know it. And they're not leaving this state. You know, they're staying there and they're having to deal with these issues. And that's the real sad part of this. And we don't have informed people who are making decisions for us. You know, we have people who are non-trans, non-LGBTQIA+, and they're making decisions. So when we have people in power, and I'm so grateful that there are a number of trans men and women who are being part of the legislative process now, and they're able to enact things and be, we're seeing that hey, we're just regular human beings who want to contribute. As soon as we can see that that's happening on a regular basis, I think you're going to see a shift. These laws are antiquated. They're not serving the entire state. And no matter how many people leave, there will still be more because more Children are being born every day that will end up being LGBTQIA+. It's just a fact of life. And so to me, I see that it's important for us to support those groups who are standing fast and staying whole in those states and saying, look, we're going to fight this. You know, I see the kids at different schools, in the high schools and the middle schools, who are saying, this is not okay. This is not okay with us. And so hopefully those kids will grow up and really make some changes for the better. I don't know how we even got to this place. You know, it's just so weird how in this day and age, with so much awareness of discrimination and non-inclusivity and what that means and what that does for people to say, you don't count and you don't matter. It doesn't make any sense. So. I, I, I agree. And I, it's very, very disheartening to see this kind of reversal of some of the progress that we have made. But one of the things that gives me hope is what you just said, Alicia, is is kids. When you see young people today, the vast majority of them, to me, appear to really understand a lot of this, certainly more than my generation does. And to have friends 
across all spectrums of identities and to just be really open-minded and inclusive. And so their generation is going to, I think, make the changes that, you know, hopefully solidify the changes that we're trying to make now, but really move in and and move it in that direction. I'm also curious, I want to make sure we touch on support for parents because I'm, I'm in a parent support group and, you know, Jackie was older when she came out, but I've been, you know, had the honor of supporting a lot of parents through having their younger kids come out and transition in their school years. And I've heard a lot of beautiful stories where the school was so supportive and provided so many resources. And I've heard a lot of really traumatic and really troublesome and concerning stories of schools saying, you know, your child has to go to the bathroom in the nurse's office and you you know, they can't change with the kids or teachers literally saying, you know, I don't believe in this. I'm not, I'm going to refuse to use your child's pronouns, their, their name. I'm not going to use their, you know, that they're going to dead name them and, and just not, you know, and it's the, I think that's the exception to the rule, but just still hearing stories like that. So I'm just curious about what, how you would advise parents about their, you know, best practices for advocating for their kids in the schools if they do feel that their child is not really being fully supported, if they're gay or trans or, you know, any, any of that. Well, over the course of my experience, I think, first of all, it's really important to be proactive for any parents. So before you're going to a school, and if you know your child is trans or gay or lesbian or intersex or any part of that community, I think it's really, really important to kind of get an awareness. Where's the administration in regard to this? Do you have a, a GSA club, which, you know, used to be called the Gay Straight Alliance today because there are so many students who are gender identity has become such a huge issue. It's called Gender Sexuality and Alliance or and Allies. And so, but I think really that's the first step and measure in terms of any When you're sending your kid to a school, a child to a school, you want to know that they're going to be supportive. What do the counselors think? What are the rules? How are they helping? Are the teachers using pronouns? Are they allowing kids to do these things? We know in LAUSD that if they don't do these things, and we really police these very much, if a teacher says the child said they're they, them pronouns. I find that really hard and I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend all this energy trying to get it right. If you have an administrator that is on top of things, they will let them know. They will send them that bulletin. You do not have a choice. This is the way it is. You are professional. Okay. So you may have a certain belief. Fine. You can have that belief, but this is about this child. And so And we've had a number of instances like that where I'm so happy with my administration who've gone to those teachers and said, look, this is the way it is. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I would say that I would even extend everything you just said to parents who think 
their kids are not LGBTQ because that was me. And we were not Catholic, but we sent our kids to Catholic school because we felt they would get a better education and were willing to turn the other cheek or whatever you want to say about the the anti-LGBTQ philosophy that we knew would be there. That is not how we raised our kids. We raised our kids to be allies. Uh, but I now know friends who made sure to do what you're saying, Alicia, and made sure that their school was inclusive and affirming because they know it's possible that their kids will come out, even though they you would think like our generation would assume, oh, my kid is straight. My kid is cis. You don't know. So like I've had multiple friends now that were did that kind of search for a school that was affirming and their kid ended up did end up coming out as gay or trans or lesbian or, you know, as you said, any part of the community. And so I think what you're saying applies to every parent of every child, not just if you happen to know that your child is LGBTQIA. Absolutely. In my school, GSA, we hadn't had one. We had a teacher that started it about maybe 10 years ago or 10 years ago. It was sporadically attended and then it stopped uh, as soon as that teacher left. This year, when I put out, we, we didn't do it for a couple of years because of COVID and everything was Zoom. But this year, when we started it back up, I had. 80 students, we have a population of about 1,200. I had 80 students sign up. And of those 80 that came in, those students would tell me, you know, there's a lot of people who didn't sign up because they're just kind of afraid. They don't want anybody to know about. There is a real hunger with our students. And and though that's questioning as well. So, you know, you have sixth graders, seventh graders who... 11, 12, 13-year-old kids who are saying, I don't know. I think I'm attracted to these, you know, this gender, but I'm not sure. Or I think I might identify as male, but I'm not sh-. It's really important for students to have a place to go where they can sit, hang with friends, and just be in this safe environment to explore that whole thing. I can't tell you how important and how happy that's made me feel when I see kids walk in. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Come back. If you're questioning, no problem. You know, we love you. We care about you. We want you to be here. So. Yeah. And oh, that's just amazing. I think I just can't help but think if Jackie had had the opportunity for something like that, how things might've been different, but it helps knowing that that kids in so many schools are experiencing this. And I'm curious, they can join and be part of the club without their parents knowing. Is that correct? Absolutely. The, the district has a very clear policy about that. And that's part of Bullet 6224, making sure that all students have a right of privacy. Unless there is something that is really, really detrimental, the student's going to harm themselves harm someone else, you know. So we we are, that's really, really important. And even in that situation, we're still collaborating with the student about how safe they feel because a lot of our students come in and they're like, look, you know, this is, I can't tell anybody about this. And if my parents found out. I want to really make sure this is clear for any teachers who may be listening because I've had 
several teachers come to me and say, many, many teachers come to me and say, one of my students came out to me, wants me to use their this name and these pronouns, but their parents don't know. And I always say, as far as my understanding, certainly in the LAUSD, and you've got to look for your school district, but the right thing to do, and as far as my understanding is, you do not tell the parents. You do not know that the home is safe. And you honor that. If that's what that child has told you, you 100% honor that. So this is, this is, we want to make this really clear for teachers, counselors, administrators. It's unequivocal and it could be life or death. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I've had kids who said, you know, they came into our GSA group and they said, you know, my parents found out about me and I don't know how they found out, but now they want to send me away or they, you know, they want to send me back to Mexico or, you know, just or conversion therapy, which is something, yeah. Just horrible, horrible things. But yes, absolutely. Bulletin 6224 in LA Los Angeles Unified School District makes it very clear that that uh, student's right to privacy. If they say, look, please call me this, but my parent doesn't know. So anytime you talk to them, if you could refer to me as my dead name or whatever, please do And we have to honor that. That's Mm -hmm. really important. Yeah. So I hope that this episode provided people with some new information, some confidence in advocating, speaking up, some awareness. You know, Alicia spoke specifically to policy in the Los Angeles Unified School District and how that is being used as a model for other schools. And I'm assuming will continue to be. So advocate for your kids. Look at what the school's policies are. I really like, Alicia, how you said, talk with the administrators and see what their position is and ask them about how they handle, you know, these situations and what are their inclusiveness policies and practices and procedures and ask whether your kid is LGBTQIA or not, because these are the ages they're coming out is in these school years. So please take those steps. If you're a parent, if you're a teacher, follow your school's policy, but know that it, kids have the right to privacy, that you do not have the right to endanger a child because of your beliefs. It is, this is mandated. And in case any young people are listening, ask about the resources your school has, because if they're, if they're practicing the policies that they're supposed to, they will protect you and they will provide resources for you and support for you, even if your parents are not supportive. So I hope that this conversation at least opens up more conversation and people will advocate and ask the questions they need to ask and make the case that they need to make. And as you said, parents absolutely need to be advocates. Um, is there anything that we left out, Jackie or Alicia, that on this topic of schools and kids and inclusiveness and affirming practices and policies in schools? What do you think? Well, bathrooms are a big one and we're finding, and I just attended a not too long ago, maybe a couple of months ago, where we actually have middle schools in Los Angeles Unified School District that are working on unisex bathrooms. And so they are really, really paying heed to the fact that there's a need here. And if we don't pay attention to this, again, that's in the bulletin. A student should be able to use the bathroom that, that I of the gender that they identify with. So 
those things are really, really important. Yes, absolutely. I would like to read a portion of the letter that I just received from a student just recently. Please. I am a facilitator. I do the GSA club, but I'm also facilitator of a peer mediation group at my school. I think over the course of the time when I came out at my school, one of the first places that I just talked a little bit about my coming out was to this group. It's called Heart. Anyway, one of the kids in this group wrote me this letter, and I'll just read a portion of it. But she said, and and we were asking students, what have you learned throughout the year and and dealing with conflict and resolution? And we teach them about you know differences and how to be compassionate, empathic, all these things that are really important. And so she wrote to me and she said, let's see, Hart pretty much just taught me how to be a better human when it comes to people. You as a person also inspire me. Seeing how much courage you have made me feel more comfortable with myself to the point where now I am able to proudly say to the people around me, that I am gender fluid, as well as bisexual. So thank you for teaching us so much and being an amazing role model for the youth, including myself. And please continue to help and inspire others, even if it's not as a counselor. Sincerely, and her name, her dead name is Jasmine, but she likes to go by Jax now. So, I mean, to me, but if there's one, that makes it all worth it, you know, to me. So I just needed to share that because those type of things are so powerful. And when we can have those experience and know that we're in an office and a student is really struggling with this, parents might not be in a green or the guardian or whatever it is, and they want to come out or they're struggling, it makes it all worth it when you can affirm that child and say, it's okay to be who you are. That was beautiful. I'm so glad that you shared that with us. It hit my heart deeply. And I'm just so grateful that that the kids at your school have been able to be on this journey with you and have and to see you become who you know, truly live as your true self and that 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 gives them the courage to do the same. And I hope that more and more schools will provide a safe environment and we'll make sure that there are role models in the schools. I remember a time when I remember hearing about how schools were not allowing gay people to be teachers and counselors. And I think that should be, we should be recruiting specifically for diversity in that particular area because that many studies are saying that like somewhere in the range of 20 to 25% of young people are identifying as LGBTQIA and are question at least are questioning because as it becomes safer, we're we're just we're just barely scratching the surface of understanding how this is just another form of human diversity that has been suppressed, and it may it's probably a lot bigger than we even realize now. Oh no, absolutely, no doubt about that, no doubt about that, and that's why I think these states like. It's, it's like a pipe dream to try to bury this because mm-hmm. you cannot bury 
that okay. power and that energy, it's going to come out one way or another. That's right. And the kids are are pushing it. The kids are, they're leading the way. They're saying, no, they're saying, you know, if all my friends understand this and love me as I am, my parents are going to have to get on board. My grandparents are going to have to get on board. But right now it's quite a battle between some portions of the generations, but it's, we hope it's changing. So thank you for this conversation, Alicia, for both conversations. It was amazing. Oh my goodness. And we will talk more. Yeah, we would love to stay in touch with you and collaborate and hear what you're working on as you move into retirement. I know you are going to continue to be a role model and I'm sure educating folks in some way. And we would love to stay connected to you and talk about the possibilities there. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And bye, everybody. Listen in next time. Thanks so much for being with us. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our Transgender School podcast. We hope you learned something new and that you're inspired to learn more. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And please be sure to check out our website, transgenderschool.org. You'll find many valuable resources there, including news about upcoming courses we'll be teaching. Make sure to join us for future podcast episodes. We'll catch you on the first Tuesday of every month. 